Yeah, thanks for having us. It's great to have a yeah. cool independent bookstore in East Hampton, and uh, maybe we'll get someone to buy the place tonight. Well, that would be good. I've been it for almost 10 years, and I'm getting a little weary. <laughs> so I'm really happy to be here. I'm happy to have all you here with your wonderful faces and rest of you. Uh, so the I have a number of books in the series here. This past year, I've done new covers for all of them, um, and so it's they're all in the Jack Palm series. Jack Wakes Up, This Is Life, Checkmate. Young Junius is kind of the prequel, 1987 Cambridge situation. Uh, and then the new one is the Maltese Jordans, which I'm really excited about. I'll grab one. Uh, so, th yeah, this is kind of the book that... <coughs> this is the book that I never got to write until now. I didn't even know that I wanted to write this book. But I started writing a short story... And my friend Dan, who's in the back here, who's one of my classmates at Iowa, I sent the short story to him, and he said, you know, there's something here, really, about the sneakers. We played basketball, pickup style at Iowa. This man was lethal from three-point range. And he doesn't look like it, but it, it's true. Uh, and so he said, there's really something here with the sneakers. You've got to do more with this. You have to turn this into a novel. And so I did, and that was a long time ago. That was the summer of 2014. Uh, so it's been a long time. I basically put this book aside to work on another book in the interim. Uh, but I've done some work on it in the past year, and I'm just really happy with where it is. It's got basketball, 90s basketball, nostalgia and culture, sneaker legend stuff. Uh, and I'll be happy to talk to you guys about any of these things during the Q&A session, which will come up after a brief reading. Any questions now? There's food and drinks there, if I won't be ashamed or embarrassed. Oh, yeah, yeah. And we have a special deal for you guys tonight. In any case, I'm glad that you guys are here. I won't be offended if you get up to get uh, chips, crackers, beverages, cookies. If you're going to do it, do it now. <laughs> no? Okay. So uh, I want to read a part from this, from the, the sort of first third of the book. Uh, basically, um, Jack Palms, ne'er-do-well, former Hollywood action star, uh, bottomed out in L.A., got addicted to drugs and a bunch of other things, uh, and sort of became a detective or a P.I. or a fixer uh, back in book one. Uh, and at this point, we pick up the story. He's kind of doing bounty hunter type work. So this guy calls him up and says he has to chase after and offers him a job to chase after this guy, Mayor Modi, who embezzled a bunch of money from a firm in San Francisco and then took off. So Jack starts chasing him, trying to find him. And it turns out that this guy has gone to Kauai. So he flies to Kauai to chase this guy. It's middle of the winter in San Francisco. Not a bad time to go to Kauai. Probably way better winter time in San Francisco than here, but still, he's in San Francisco, he wants to go to Kauai, he goes, he follows him. At the place where we pick up the piece that I'm going to read, he's met a bunch of guys who know about this guy, Mayor Modi, and apparently this Mayor Modi guy has been telling this story of the Maltese Jordans for a long time, and for anyone, to anyone who will listen, and some people think he's crazy, some people kind of believe in him. There's these sketchy guys called the Kaloas who gave him some money to try to buy the Maltese Jordans. And so at this point, Jack has corralled Modi, has him tied to a chair in a hotel room, 
And Modi starts telling him the story of the Maltese Jordans for the first time. And the plan is to stay up all night and then take a plane back to San Francisco the next morning. Any questions? We good? All right. So, thanks for coming, everybody. All right. I ate a hamburger. I ate a hamburger watching Modi stare at the TV. He tried talking to me, but I offered to shut him up with a pillowcase in his mouth if he kept at it. I didn't want to hear anything until I ate. When I had a whiskey and soda in my hand and food in my stomach, I offered him a drink, but he declined. I had Modi tied to a chair, and I'd been eating at the desk. I moved to the bed, sitting on its edge in front of the TV. How much do you want to let me go, he asked, to leave me on the island and just go away. I'm serious. I'll pay you double whatever he is. How much? I took a good sip, chewing on a small piece of ice. Who's he, I asked. You don't even know. He bit his upper lip. Listen, Jack, it's Jack Palms, right? I've seen your movies. You're good, or you were, at least. Now who the fuck are you? Sorry, there's a little colorful language here. No kids in the audience. Uh, I'm turning this up now, I said, taking the remote in my hand. Money, Jack, listen, I'm talking money, however much you want. More than you've got. I just want to get this job done. Listen, he said. No. He leaned forward as far as the bedsheets tied around his arms would let him. You don't get it. I have something invaluable. Everyone wants this. It's once in a lifetime. What's that? A pair. The pair. Sneakers. I'm talking about a ghost pair of Michael Jordan's kicks that have only been rumored to exist. One of one here, Jack. Never been made but this pair. And he wore them. The Maltese Jordans? I was only repeating what I'd heard Ted say at the bar Akuda, but it made Modi's face light up like a kid at Christmas. Shit. Yes. And they're real. Official. I have them and I have the proof. I took another drink, put the remote down, the volume still on low. I eyeballed Modi, trying to gauge his level of BS. Ask me, he said. Ask me what they are. Like the book, I said. Dashiell Hammett. Yeah, like the book. But that's only the tagline I came up with. It's a good book, but these have an even better story. He smiled wide. They're the rara shuvis. Dig? <laughs> so we have one person who knows that reference. In the Maltese Falcon, uh, they come up with the term uh, rara avis is the way that they describe the bird. And so these are the rara shuvis. There's some literary references in here. I've read a couple of books. Um, one of the things that I did with this book that was fun was I named the chapters, uh, and I'd never done that before. So that's a perk that you guys get if you <laughs> buy it and read it. You can find lots of funny chapter titles. And I have to tell you, this section that I'm reading now has been edited for your consumption. So when you get to this part in the book, there's even more tidbits that are trimmed out. So don't just skip it <laughs> when and if. Uh, they're real, he said. What do you think would be the most exquisite and unique pair of Jordans? Signed, game-worn, whatever. Imagine the most far-out thing you can dream up and then multiply that by ten. My basketball fandom and curiosity, my long-suppressed love of sneakers got the better of me. What, I asked. He raised his shoulders toward his ears, waiting. 
Now he was enjoying himself. I could tell. Guess. This is part of the fun. The 63-point game against the Celtics in his first playoffs. The one where Larry Bird called him God. No. Bird said it was God disguised as Michael Jordan. Let's misquote Bird here. So they're from that game? Through pursed lips, he said, nope, try again. That's really not even close. His first game in Jordans? The first pair of Jordans he ever wore? Nice. Those would be great, but there's no story there. If those exist, none of us has ever heard of them. Maybe they're not even still out there. You have to remember, back in the beginning, no one even knew who this kid would be. I mean, maybe Phil Knight guessed right about him. But this was just a kid from North Carolina named Mike back then. Plus, the grail of all Jordans is the 11s, not the 1s. These just happen to be the greatest model of Jordan sneaker ever, signed, and they're an exclusive, one of a kind that Nike never even produced or released officially. So more extravagant. Think of a game that wasn't even played on an NBA court. Space Jam. The kicks MJ wore when he played with Bugs and Taz and all that shit. Space Jam 2 coming out in theaters in about a year. Uh, No way. Those would be devalued for something like that. What a piece of shit that movie was. But still, those would be valuable, right? Yes, absolutely. But not like these. Let me tell you a story. His eyes, his face were cold. He had the most serious look I'd seen on him yet. This meant that much to him. I went to the desk and got the whiskey bottle, brought it back to the bed and poured myself three fingers, then set the bottle on the floor. Okay, I said, tell me. Jordan's contract, Modi started. His love of the game clause? You know what that means? Anyone raise a show of hands? Have any idea what the love of the game clause? One, nice. Dan, you must. There was a love of the game clause in Jordan's contract. I nodded. Something about playing anytime, anywhere he wanted. They couldn't stop him. He nodded. Good. No, they couldn't stop him from playing the game he loved. Not anywhere or with anyone. But, he raised his chin. But, they thought this was for games he just wanted to hop into. Summer league. Playing with friends. Pickup. Whatever. They never expected he would need money and want to play for anyone else. Why would he need money? I started to speculate about his gambling habits, what had reportedly been a huge financial problem during a big part of his career. Some even had thought it had led to his father's murder. Let's just say he needed big money at a time when his career was in jeopardy, money that he couldn't go to the bank for or get as an advance from the bulls. The timing just worked out, wrong for him, right for the confluence of events that needed to happen to create the perfect storm for making these shoes. I said, you have my attention. Good, Modi said, good. So of course he couldn't play for any other teams, not in the world, in any other league, not anything like that. That's not what I'm saying. This isn't Virtus Bologna or some Italian or Euro team with a lot of money. No, this is crazy money, like nothing ever anyone has ever heard of for a single game. A million dollars? What's that to him? I had no ideas. I showed him my hands. What? King of Malta, he said. I'm talking about one man, a shitload of cash, national riches, one game, totally unsanctioned, untelevised, completely off the grid, all the king's men against Jordan and the Maltese B-Squad, an exhibition purely for the crown, the stuff of myth and legend, rare air. 
And for this game, one pair. Specialized and created as gifts for the king. These are the pair we are talking about here, Jack. Jordan worn for one game, overseas, totally clandestine and secret. Played in once for a lot of money. A game you know he won. So what? Who would believe this? You made this up. No, he shook his head. Years later, a video surfaced. Copied, pirated, who knows? But it shows up. Clips of the game. Websites. Come on in. You didn't miss anything. I figured it was this game. You missed some good stuff, but there's more. Uh, clips of it. Websites. Jordan playing with the B squad. Unquestionably him. The kicks are real. The video shows him signing this exact pair with the king himself. You with me? I was. Later, the Jordans came to light. After losing favor in his parliament, a few years after that, the king of Malta sells them to pay off his debts. He's living in exile. He's got a certificate of authenticity for the kicks signed by Jordan himself. You're serious, I said. The Maltese Jordans? He smiled even wider. Exactly. Like Dashiell Hammett, Jack. Come on in. Thanks, There's some controversy about how to pronounce Dashiell or Dashiell. I'll go back and forth intermittently. I invite you to do too. Uh, doesn't that make it even more beautiful? Dating all the way back to the 1990s. That's bullshit. You know that's bullshit, right? I took a long drink of the scotch. I was starting to need it. He tipped his head toward the bottle. How about you give me a pull of that scotch, Jack? I thought about untying him to drink it, but didn't give that a second to linger. I poured two fingers into a glass and held it to his mouth. He wasn't going to get any sleep on me, and I was actually starting to enjoy where the conversation was going, if only for entertainment. So you're saying someone believes all this shit? He hummed an objection through the scotch, shaking his head. Jack, this is real. It's not just me and the Kaloas. This thing goes to New York and across the Atlantic to Paris and London. God's truth. It's been certified. I took a drink myself. I needed it. So Malta brought Jordan over for a game. They should have played it in Jordan, just for the fuck of it. <laughs> right, he said. First time I heard that one. He gave me a sour look. Anyway, the king at this time is Fod. Fod is a huge fan of basketball. He watched it his whole life, from back in the Mikan days through Russell, Wilt, Big O, Clyde, the Doctor, Magic, Bird, all of them. He's never seen anyone play like Jordan. Freaking loves him. Can't believe the guy. All universe talent. And this gets crazy when Jordan comes back from baseball. Fod thinks it is literally the second coming. Goes crazy. And this dude's got money. Capital M, Jack. He brings over Jordan, Tinker, even pays off Phil Knight to let Tinker design a special pair of Jordans just for this one game. They're based off the 11s, mostly just a slight modification, but remember, this was back before any changing in the basic style or anything happened. No reissues, player exclusives, none of that. This is the time of originals, just a few colorways, that's it. They came up with special colors, beige and gold. And you know where the 11s have patent leather on them? Turned it to gold leaf. 
real gold leaf on a goddamn sneaker. I, st- I sat dead still, trying to imagine playing a game in sneakers covered with real gold leaf. It wasn't easy. But I could see them, the gold, shiny, flaky. Like a shard of mica you could peel chips off of and admire the sparkle. Modi just kept going. They added jewels to the upper, fucking rubies and emeralds and shit they thought the king would like. You imagine? They're not even that wild looking. Truly amazing. Anyway... These are the kicks. Beige and gold leaf 11s, jewel-encrusted, worn by Jordan in one totally illegal, completely unsanctioned game, signed by, both, signed by Jordan on both sneakers. Mint condition. You know Jordan didn't have to work hard to beat the king's squad. He sat back, clearly satisfied with himself, and asked for more scotch. I took a sip instead, then sat there chewing ice, staring at him. You want to know more about the game? He asked. Who the king brought in to play Jordan? Shit. King's not going to pay all this money for a nothing nobody game. He brings in Allah Abdel Nabi from Duke, Kareem himself, and a young kid from Providence named God Shamgod. Dude likes the deity type names. You know what I'm saying. Throw in a dude known as Ron Artest from St. John's at the time, and the king's squad was pretty dope. So what's he do? Jordan runs them. Remember, he's just come off a sixth season, arguably his best ever, NBA Finals, NBA MVP, and Finals MVP. This is your boy. Give him four guys with two arms, two legs, which is basically what the Saudi B-Squad was, and he's going to win it. That's MJ. That's just him. Part of me didn't care if any of this was true. Part of me wanted it to be true and to see the sneakers. But part of me just wanted to bring this idiot back to Lenardi in San Francisco, collect on the bond, and get it all the fuck over with. He kept looking at me, waiting for an answer. An answer to what? Thanks, guys. That was a lot of fun. I hope you enjoyed that. So do tell us about your sneakers. Oh, so these are so these are Space Jam 11s, and they have the so they have 45 on the back. Some of you might remember when Jordan came back from his retirement, he wore 45 for like half a season, and then he went back to 23. It was something about honoring his father, but it didn't work out with the 45, so he went back to 23. Was it 45 because Trump is the 45th president? <laughs> This was 1996. (laughs) He didn't know. But uh, there was something about 45 being twice 23, and that was kind of weird. But (laughs) essentially, that was the reason he gave for going with 45. But um, so, so the year that he came back, so when he came back, he played like the playoffs and a little more. And that summer was when they filmed Space Jam. So these are Space Jam 11s that were released a year and a half ago. The thing that I found out when I was doing this research on sneakers is that I thought if I wanted some of these sneakers, I would have to like pay and go back and find ones from 1996. But Jordan sneakers are still the most popular sneakers of anything anywhere. Even all the other great players combined sell less sneakers in a year than Jordan still sells. So they re-release Jordans all the time. Next Saturday, there's a really big release coming up. <laughs> Jordan for Bread. You guys should definitely check it out. 10 a.m. Saturday morning. You go on the app, 
you could buy the Jordan 4 bread for only $200. <laughs> Resale market, it'll be easily 230 or 240 like right after that. So S N K R S. It's Nike sneakers but with no vowels. So that makes sense. So um anyway, these are the Space Jams that he wore in the movie and they're 11s, and there you go. And I spent a little bit of time thinking about which sneakers to wear for this event. <laughs> so how big is the black market for those types of sneakers? Um, there was an article that came out a couple of years ago that estimated it was in the millions and billions. Uh, and basically, economically, you could le- view that as Nike leaving money on the table. Uh, and so since then... Nike has upped their production runs by a lot. So even the most uh, coveted ones, like these, the funny thing is like the fours come out all the time, but when the threes and the fours originally came out, on the back of them they said Nike Air and had the swoosh instead of having the Jordan Jumpman. And so for years now, the retros they're called, they've been releasing it with the Jumpman on the back. So Nike started releasing them. They've released like four pairs with Nike Air on the back, and people are crazy about that. So if, like, you're a real sneakerhead and you see, like, this sneaker, you're like, oh, does that have this on the back? I was in um, the Nike outlet in California with my friend, and there was a guy in there that had them with the Nike Air on the back before they were even released. And my friend went up to him and was like, whoa, what are those, blah, blah. So now people take apart sneakers and put different pieces onto other sneakers. So there was like a junkie pair that had Nike Air on the back. They took off the back of that and stuck it on the black and cement pair. It's crazy. But, um, so now the bread ones that are coming out are highly coveted. They won't be released like that again for 10 or 20 years. And still the resale on them won't be that much. Uh, just because Nike will put out so many pairs of them. They used to have some unlimited runs, and now they've just gone crazy. Um, so you don't have people lining up or doing lotteries. But like it will come out on the app at 10 o'clock, and by 10.05 or 10.10, it'll be sold out. Um, yeah. And there's a, some sneaker websites and apps where you can go, and you can literally buy any sneaker if you're willing to spend the money for it. Like they have every, you look on the back of the book, I'm at a store in New York City called Flight Club and they have every Jordan, I think in every, in mostly every size. And it's just like, it's kind of a consignment shop. And so if you're willing to spend a huge ton of money, you can get, I mean, some are like 400 or 600 and there's these special M&M pairs that are like 20,000. Yeah. yeah. Those look good on you. Well, thanks. <laughs> I appreciate that. Those are only 10 grand. Do, do you these have any that you don't, don't wear? Uh, so these ones I've only worn once. And I was like, I got to wear these just to like, because once you, it's like a car. Once you wear it, you can't sell it. Like the price just goes directly down. I had this one pair of sneakers that I bought in visiting New York City. And they were way, even retail, they were more money than I wanted to spend. And so I bought them. And the store wouldn't let me return them, even though I hadn't worn them. So I sold them online, and I had put them, my feet in them and just tried them on in the store. And I sold them online to this guy, and he like emailed back and was like, 
these aren't dead stock. These have been on someone's feet. Uh, they don't meet my specifications. I was like, okay. And like I, I had, they had touched the floor of the shoe store in my feet, and that was it. Uh, but, and these were like $400 shoes. He bought them for, for me for $450. And I was like, all right, I've kind of felt bad about selling them because I was going through a crisis of feeling like I really should have them. And <laughs> I felt bad that they were gone. So, um, so I said, no problem. I'll buy them back for the same money. I'll pay for shipping. This guy might've been a drug dealer. He said that he had just given them away to the boys club and he was willing to take the L on it because that's just the world. And he said, I said, do you want like a tax form or something? He's like, no, the universe got me. (laughs) That was what he said to me in a text. And it's just like a karmic understanding of the universe. Some of you in the audience might have heard of these shoes called Lou Bouton or something. Not Louis Vuitton, Lou Bouton. They have women's shoes and mostly they have like a red bottom. That's how you tell what they are. So this guy sent me a picture. They have Lou Bouton sneakers that start at 800. And he sent me a picture of a whole closet full of boxes of the Lou Bouton that are like 800, 1,000. I'm not, and I didn't inquire what he did for a living, but he did live in New York City. So, um, yeah, he was like, universe got me. And then, coincidentally, I had put a bid in on this website called StockX to buy the same shoes for less than that. And someone hit my bid before I could cancel it. And so there was another pair heading to me. And those have not been worn yet. But I was thinking about wearing them for tonight. And never, ever wear them. Really? Wait, no. No, the... the <laughs> But they're so beautiful. They look like a Jordan sneaker. They look like a cross between a Jordan sneaker and a dress shoe. There's no plastic on it. It's all leather. And it looks like a, a Jordan made out of like baseball glove material. They're beautiful. And I'm going to wear them. There's a, there's a legendary. Yeah. They're way too big. They're, I called Audible last week because the, they were having trouble releasing the audiobook of the Maltese Jordans, which you can get on Audible, and I do voices with that one. Not just like this, straight. There's voices. It's on Audible. What? So they, they, for some reason, they weren't releasing it. You got to pay extra for the voices. But you can also get them on my site on Patreon for a low investment of $3 per month, patreon.com slash Seth Harwood. There's an app for that, too. Um, so... I have no idea what I was going to say. <laughs> yeah? Is there further references to Bar Akuda, or is that just a single drop? Multiple references. Jack goes to Bar Akuda, fights the chef there, and I don't want to know anymore. gets money I from them. I just want to know how exciting <laughs> I should be about that. Yeah, and it's a real <laughs> place. We yeah, went there. What else you said for like three pages, because I was still like, it's a real place in Kauai. We went, and then when I was writing the book, I misspelled it. And so at some point, I Googled it, and I figured out how to spell it. It's actually two words, just in case you're curious. Yeah? What is your uh, interpretation of the phrase, universe got me? It's a karmic sense of, of Buddhism. <clears throat> no refund. I'm okay. Yeah, the universe got me. I took an L on this one. 
So as things work out in the larger scheme, he'll get some W's. There's some vernacular that goes with the sneaker thing. Like people will use take a L, which means take a loss. And then uh, I was in a store with this one guy and I was debating about buying this pair of a pair of sneakers that I already had. And he said, oh, well, you could just buy these and DS them, which of course means dead stock. And you would definitely use that as a verb whenever you feel like it. <laughs> so you really had to delve into the subculture of sneaker yeah. selling. And I went really into the rabbit hole, yeah. and it was fun. I really enjoyed that. <laughs> I've done some research on some of my other books, uh, but I really enjoyed the research on this one. And Dan pointed out, like, there's a thing. I have, like, a place in my heart for sneakers. And so once I started researching this then I could just buy a bunch of pairs and write it off and so <laughs> it gave me a legit reason to like let the flood get because I always had like a very constricted understanding of my sneakerhood like my parents are very rational my dad is really rational with money and it's like you just don't have like four or 60 pairs of sneakers that are like <laughs> ready to go uh, but it, within this project, I was able to really dive into that. When you're researching, you can justify just about anything. Yeah. Yeah. And I had to buy some and sell them to see what the resale market was oh, yeah. like. Yeah, yeah, you got to. Totally. You got to just go spend time in those shops on release date and let people talk to you about DSing. Mm -hmm. It was awesome. Yeah. A lot of YouTube videos. A lot of time spent watching YouTube videos, which I think really helped the writing process. <laughs> yeah. So, so a comment about your... Appreciation for the sneakers. I don't, you may know this, but there's in the Portland Nike store, they have a display of all the, I believe, originals, which you may have seen or you may know. Maybe in other stores, but anyhow, I might be interested. But they have it in the SF one, and they're all white for some reason. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Same, I don't know same why. Display, but there, the thing that's crazy is there are people that have that display at their house. Like, they have it at the Nike yeah. store. There are people that have that at their house. There's this guy that I just got in touch with on Instagram named uh, Mark Bostick, Jumpman Mark Bostick. He Instagrams under the tag Jumpman. You've seen him? Hashtag the basement. His basement is insane. He has like every Jordan down there, thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars worth of Jordans. And a friend of mine who I became friends with because he was one of my students at Chabot College, I just thought he was like a normal nice guy. Turns out he had 80 pairs, sold them down to like 50, and now he's back up to 60 again. So he's like my aficionado. <laughs> yeah, Instagram. Question. Yes. So a question about the book. So, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so obviously there's, there's factual references like his baseball player and so on. And you may not want to answer yeah. this, but in what Modi is telling, is there any factual reference? basis to any of that or do you might not want you not want to discuss that right now yeah so there is a real interplay between fact and fiction here yeah. and uh there was a podcast where these two guys read the book and reviewed it and they both swore that everything in it is true um like the gambling thing and all things like so that. much of that is really true but uh the sneakers are totally made up but the gambling stuff is real and as i was researching it as a kid, I just thought, like, maybe Jordan really wants to play baseball. I didn't understand the retirement at all. But as an adult, like, Googling it and going, there's, like, a real conspiracy theory that basically says the commissioner pushed him out of basketball 
because of his gambling. And this was right after the Pete Rose thing, where Pete Rose was totally uh, compromised, scandalized, all of it. So they knew that if Jordan had been gambling, if anything came out about Jordan gambling on basketball, really bad. And he was like in the newspaper back then. They had game. They had a playoff game against the Knicks, and he's in the casino in Atlantic City until three o'clock in the morning the night before the game. Then he started writing checks. To, for gambling debts to these super shady characters with names like Slim Bowler and other guys that were tied to the mob. And all that stuff is true. Really? Yeah. Okay. Thanks. And when he was, when he first retired, they said, like, do you think you're going to come back? And he said something cryptic like, if the commissioner will have me. So there's theories. Yeah. Yeah. So when you think about, like, I feel like kids in the 90s, like, all that, all the yeah. sneaker grams was coming out. They were so into it because they actually got to see Jordan playing, maybe, or they got, got to be like more actually a part of that experience. But yeah. I feel like cause I worked with youth for a while too, and they had no idea who Jordan was, and they loved these shoes. Like I just find that to be such an interesting phenomenon. Like they take the sneakers so seriously, yeah, and yet they have no idea like the past of it. You know what I mean? But they can, I mean, some kids I think know it because they watch it on, they can watch, I mean, you can watch yeah. Jordan on YouTube all day. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, like, kids like LeBron, literally like the other big sneaker guys are like Stephen Curry, LeBron, KD, Kyrie, uh, and like a couple other guys. And yeah. all of their sneaker sales combined for 2018 are less than Jordan's sales for 2018. Right. Wow. Every year he kicks all their butts. And it's just like, it's kind of like how, I mean, it's a little bit like how movies come out and it's like they're sort of pitched to us and the kids at the same time. So it's like the retros are pitched to us. I love it for the nostalgia value of being able to get these shoes that I couldn't afford or wasn't cool enough to get in high school. And now I can have them and the kids just like, yeah, I mean, in San Francisco and New York City, Hot Jordans are all the kids are wearing. Right. Northampton, East Hampton, not so much. Springfield, I know. You go near the courthouse, you got some Jordans there. And they spend good money on them too, but it, it just, it's so interesting to me. I didn't, you know, I didn't know if you came across that in your mind at all, like writing these books about these sneakers, because they don't really seem to have the same experience with it from when I yeah. talk to them about it, but they are so into it. Yeah. So, I just think they're like still the coolest sneaker. They, right, and I'm, I'm so curious why. You know, like, I don't know. There was, something there was something original about the designs of them. What's that? Really good marketing. Yeah. Good marketing. I mean, Spike Lee did the commercials. Before Space Jam, Spike Lee did all the like uh, Mars Blackman commercials with Jordan. Yeah. It's got to be the shoes. Um, do you know, do you know, do you know? But... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think they're just really cool shoes. Like, the guy who designed most of the Jordans is this guy, Tinker Hatfield, who designed most of the most famous, amazing Nikes that ever came out. And they're doing amazing things with sneakers now, but it's more about the materials. And so the design elements might not be there as wonderfully. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's just, I just think it's cool. Like, there are these things that have the coolness factor or gestalt. And somehow Jordan still, ha I mean, Jordan still has that. And, you know, there's kind of never been another player like him. So is the sneaker thread throughout the series, or is this... No. This Although, so this is the first book where I really just cut loose on, like, my inner 
so young Junius was sort of a cutting loose of my inner loves. Like, uh, it's about where I grew up and it's a way that I couldn't tell a story another way. I couldn't tell any other story that way. Uh, but this is the first one that really goes through sneakers and basketball. The other ones are pretty straight crime stories, kind of like, uh, an action movie. Some of them have a lot of action. It's like pure mayhem for like half the book or something and guns and cars and but this one is sort of low key on the violence people have fisticuffs but nobody's getting shot up and uh everyone winds up kind of friendly at the end and um yeah it has the basketball and the sneakers i just want to go back to the one thing i was going to say before real quick i was on the phone with this guy from audible and i could tell that maybe he sounded a little bit like a sneakerhead. So I said, no judgment. I said, you know, the book is called The Maltese Jordans. How do you feel about Jordans? He said, oh, I got Jordans on right now. I'm wearing, a, I'm wearing these ones that are called 11s. And I was like, oh, which ones? He's like, yeah, retro 11s. I'm like, yeah, I know. Which ones? Oh, they're all red. But he told me about this thing that the, they do now that, see how this part is like icy or something? So if you actually walk on the ground with these, that can get discolored. So you have this new thing called the rejuvenator that you <laughs> that you melt with a hairdryer and then like stick on the, it's like a plastic sheath that goes over the bottom and then you get a heat gun and like melt it on there. So the guy from Audible is like trying to convince me to buy the rejuvenator <laughs> so that my actual sneaker soles never touch the ground. No, they don't come in my size. It only goes up to size 13. I emailed the company. There's nothing they can do. They said I could buy two rejuvenators and stick them together, but I don't want to do that. But there is, there's a school of sneaker collectors that goes all the way back to the beginning, and their whole thing is like, where are the kicks? Like, they're made to be worn. You have to wear them. And so this guy, Jumpman Mark Bostic, he's wearing a pair of Jordans, you know this guy? There's an artist named Cause. You guys know him? He did a painting that had all the characters in The Simpsons, and they just had, like, X's on their eyes instead of eyeballs, and it just sold at Sotheby's for $14 million. It's literally like he did a painting of The Simpsons characters with X's for their eyes, $14 million, Sotheby's. Anyway, he did a pair of Jordans, and uh, this guy is just wearing them to his daughter's volleyball game. It's awesome. So... If you go online and look at this TV show called Quick Strike, there's these guys, Clark Kent and Russ Bankston, and their whole motto is like, wear your kicks. So you wear them. I saw an amazing pair in San Francisco once that were like my coveted, most exciting pair, and this normal looking guy was wearing them on a totally rainy day, terrible weather. I'm like, how can you be wearing those? We're like standing at the post office. How can you wear those on this rainy day? He's like... They're just sneakers. Yeah. <laughs> You're going to be sad. And he had a year later. Yeah. <laughs> Mr. Dan. So I don't want to believe in the sneakers thing, but you seem to like to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> so when I was Let's Can you ask a literary question, please? No. Sneakers didn't exist. Their cons was like a piece of canvas over the basketball court. It was like walking around in a slipper. It just yeah. didn't yeah. exist. If you look at Larry Bird, that's what he wore in 1980. Well, the weapon that Bird and Magic wore before the Jordans was a pretty legit sneaker. Like, you could wear that. I mean, the crazy thing is now, like, you see guys in NBA games wearing these sneakers, 
And this is minus 20 years of technology that's happened in sneakers. Like when I first put on like a new pair of Kobe Bryant sneakers, uh, my feet were like, oh my God. And if you put on like a brand new pair of Jordan 33s, your feet will be like, oh my God. But guys are playing in the NBA now in these throwbacks just because they can. But the weapon was legit. But if you go back to like Clyde, uh, Walt Frazier, he was wearing these low top Pumas that literally feel like someone put a piece of wood on the bottom of your foot and strapped it to your foot with suede or canvas. And it's like how you could run up and like they must have just had really strong feet back then. I don't know. It's crazy. It's all about the waffle, right? Yeah, that guy, Nike. Yeah, the Nike guy. So we're talking about sneakers. Any literary questions? We have time for like one or two more. Or non literary. Yeah. Um, I don't want to ask you about the animal print sneakers you were wearing. Of course you do. Yeah. written about something that you're passionate about and instead of like kind of like a you know like a, a moment in your writing career and I was just wondering you know what made you kind of go for this at that time or start writing about you know your hometown and, yeah you know sounded like maybe it was like a little like a letting go you know just like a yeah I'm just kind of like this. fuck it like, I had a point, when I wrote this, I was at a point in my career where the book before that had done really well, and I was under the impression that based on the sales of that book, the publisher would take whatever I wanted to do next, and I gave them this idea with a huge amount of passion. I mean, I'm passionate about this project, and they were like, no, we don't, it has a male main character, and we don't think we can sell that, so we want something else, and I was like, well... I do have this other project that's like halfway done and it has a woman and I guess I could write that. And they're like, yeah, do that one. We want you to do that one. So I swerved and spent a year writing Everyone Pays, which is really a procedural. And so like research, researching police procedure is kind of interesting, but not like I don't have the passion for it. Ride-alongs are fun and all that, but it's not the same. And so, um, yeah, after that book came out, and they weren't able to sell that one very well either. I was like ready to be done with the whole thing. And then uh, a friend of mine convinced me to go on Patreon. And so I started podcasting the Maltese Jordans. So I pulled it out. I was like, I need something to podcast. I pulled out the Maltese Jordans. It took me two years to podcast it. And in that time, I was revising it to release. But yeah, it's, I mean, so the other book is Young Junius, which was heavily influenced by The Wire which was a show that I loved when I was writing it. And, um, you know, I love David Simon and Richard Price who worked on that. And I felt like it was a big risk for me to write a book with mostly all African-American characters from their point of view. Um, but I grew up with a lot of those guys and I grew up in that neighborhood. And so I just wanted to do that. And so it was like, it was a risk and I did it. And of most of my books, that one has sold the least but it's still my favorite book after all this time. And if people come up to me and say, I really like that book, it means something different. So, uh, yeah, this is like, I'm just like, this is the book that I want to do, whatever, passion project, fuck it. And uh, now this is my favorite book. 
Even more than Young Genius. And I have the shoes to show it. And the, um, the animal print ones are Air Max 95 Atmos Safari. And David really doesn't like them. <laughs> but I, it's funny because I've noticed, like, before I had those, I never noticed that women actually can get away with wearing animal print shoes all the time. Women wear, like, leopard spot. I'm like, hell, like, I want some tiger, zebra, leopard. Cow. So when that shoe first came out, that shoe first came out in like '96, and it was designed by this uh, Japanese collector with a big store in Japan. His name is Atmos, and now he has a store in Harlem. Those came out in '96, and like hardcore collectors like really gravitated towards them and liked them because the Air Max '95 is another classic sneaker that people are really crazy about, like the Jordan Eleven. Uh, and so that was an insane version of it. And at first people were like, this is insane. Like we can't enjoy this sneaker. It's ugly because their minds weren't open to the possibilities. But in time, as the true collectors really like gravitated towards that one and loved it, it really gained, um, notoriety and became kind of a classic one. So last year or the year before when they released, I had to like enter a lottery on the sneakers app to buy it. And I won. So I got them. And now I have them. And they're super fun. <laughs> so I'm glad that we've been able to talk about sneakers. Uh, Dan? What's next for uh, Jack Plums? Yeah, what's next for Jack Plums? You've got to read the book to find out. At the end, it really tips off. There's a, so thing about the book, there's a character that comes in in the last quarter very uh, unexpectedly and is also a lot of fun to see in the book. A lot of weird things happen with that character. You have to read it to find out who it is. Uh, but I will just preface it by saying the book takes place in 2014. So you want to bear that in mind as you're reading it. No guesses. Yeah. All right, I got a question. Um, so how does Patreon factor into your creative process or does it not? Like, Do you feel, as opposed to writing sitting down and writing your book, yeah. does it get in the way of you doing that because you're doing this other thing? So, sometimes like, sharing, sometimes not sharing. Patreon is pretty low level. Like earlier, low level commitment and creative part. Like earlier I was doing a podcast every week of my stuff and other people's stuff and it was all free and this was like 2008, 2000 to 2012 and that was a really big part of my creative process and that was like people listening every week and so that really did affect my creative process, and that was what gave me the excitement to write Young Junius, because I knew these people were dying for more stories, and that they really liked that character, so I knew I could do the um, his origin story like a prequel, and those people would like it. But now with Patreon, basically the Maltese Jordans was done, and I just podcasted it. So it was a vehicle to create the audiobook, and... Not so much of a writing thing. And now the majority of what I'm doing on Patreon is uh, offering free office hours that you suggested that I do and uh, having people come for those. And so it's more of like a craft thing. And I, so I finished the Maltese Jordans. Uh, this reading will go on Patreon. And uh, I'm not sure what I'm going to do next creatively with Patreon. I'm sort of tired of recording audiobooks.
The one that I could record is uh, as much protein as an egg, which is a lot of fun, but I'm probably not going to do that. So that's where we are. Thank you all for coming. I would love to sign some books for you. You could choose either the Sharpie or the blue pen to have me <laughs> sign with. And uh, yeah, two for $25 deal. Eileen will be happy to sell. And uh, thanks for coming. We're going to go to Luthiers or um, uh, Gigantic for hard drinks or both. Luthiers has food. And so we're going to do that after, but let's hang out here, drink wine, buy books, I'll sign, and be happy to answer any more questions for you in a close, intimate setting. <laughs> Thanks for coming, everybody. You guys are awesome.